0: This is Mo Ryan, and you're listening to Chuck vs. the Podcast.
1: You were about to enter Chuck vs. the Podcast, the place for people who love Chuck and the people who work on Chuck. The only show that takes you behind the scenes with the stars Yvonne Strahovski Zachary Levi Joshua Gomez Ryan McPartland Adam Baldwin
2: Sarah Lancaster
1: Interactive Interviews Julia Ling Phil Klemmer All the cast Nixon High Tony Hale Scott Krinsky Mark Christopher Lawrence
2: Anita Figueroa Fun Hosts This is Mel This is Liz Now you can see how wacko we are
1: The Writers Ali Adler Scott Rosenbaum Jeff Barrow the editors: Matt Barber, Jeff Granville, Kevin Mock. Contests:
2: We are giving away a Chuck Press kit.
1: The directors: Jason Enzlin, Norman Buckley. The guest star: Steve Austin. Kristen Griff. The music: This is Tim Jones. Guest hosts:
2: I'm Kaylee from Toronto.
1: Conventions:
2: Lights come up, and here comes Jeffster out on stage.
1: Set visits: This is the guy right here, and much more. Are you ready? This is Gray,
2: this is Mel, this is Liz,
1: and we want to welcome you to Chuck versus the Podcast episode 41 for Saturday, February 27th, 2010, and I'm sure you noticed our new opening.
2: That is so cool, Gray. I am so impressed. Yeah, I know. It was so much fun. It's just uh, fresh and new. I love it. It's exciting.
1: Yeah. It reminded me of my uh, film school days, just shooting videos for fun. I love it. <laughs> But uh, we do have a great, great episode today. And really, really exciting is that we have not one, but two TV critics who are going to be joining us today. One of them is Maureen Ryan from the Chicago Tribune, and also Jace Lacob for the LA Times and televisionarytv.com and the Daily Beast. Busy guy. Yep. <laughs> Because of the length of this episode, we will be splitting it into two parts. Episode 41 with Mo Ryan and episode 42 with Jace Lakob. Both are being released together, but this just makes it a little easier for you to download, watch, and to manage them. And uh, you'll notice that um, we we had Twittered that Phil Klemmer was going to be joining us in a roundtable format. And we've just had a bunch of uh, scheduling issues, uh, scheduling conflicts, prevented that from happening. We will have Phil on the podcast later. He's actually... I think been on the podcast more than anybody else (laughs) at this point and he'll be coming back. But, um, but unfortunately he couldn't this week, but we were able to have some great conversations with, uh, with Mo and with Jason. You're going to love them.
3: So, um, let's give our girl Mo a call and see if she can join us at this round table.
1: we want to welcome Maureen Ryan a TV critic for the Chicago Tribune with us and everybody calls you Mo.
0: Yes, call me Mo.
1: And do you only write for Chicago Tribune because you blog and you do a whole bunch of other stuff too?
0: Uh yeah, I mainly I write for the Chicago Tribune newspaper, but it gets syndicated various times in ways that I don't understand. So if I Google myself, sometimes I end up in the Malaysian star, which is always (laughs) super exciting or like the, you know, the paper in Texas or South Carolina. Um, so my stuff in print does appear various places, but, um, and, and even sometimes the LA times, but mostly just the Chicago Tribune for print. And then I've got my website, which is super awesome. And I don't know if you want, this is the point at which I would pimp that or if we wait till the end. (laughs) Oh yeah,
1: well you can do it now. Why not?
0: Uh, ChicagoTribune.com slash watcher Mm -hmm. uh, where if I could pimp one more thing, Chuck fans um, should check out my site for information on a charity auction that i'm doing for haiti relief and mm-hmm. there's going to be some really cool chuck goodies in there so it, there's always near the top of my site something about the charity effort in there so uh if you need details feel free to stop by and if you don't see them just email me at ryan at com, and i'll give you the deal
1: Mm-hmm. And I love your Twitter updates. How can how can people follow you on Twitter?
0: Oh, uh, Twitter is just uh, you know Mo Ryan. So if you follow at Mo Ryan, you'll uh, you'll get me and all my my musings. And at two o'clock in the morning on Friday, <laughs> I could not restrain myself. I was like, should I should I go on Twitter now or should I? And sure enough, I tw- I tweeted about the first couple of uh, Chuck episodes and you know, at two in the morning people were, were replying to me on Twitter, which was like, yes, Chuck nation in the house, you should be sleeping or partying
2: or doing something. The Chuck nation never sleeps. Exactly.
1: I know Jace Lakab was, uh, was Twittering about every moment. It's like, I, I have the set. I'm opening the set. Now I see I, the set.
0: Right. I've read the letter from Josh and Chris, which. I, yeah. Uh, so uh, it's interesting. Um, You know, I've now watched all four Mm -hmm. Um, and, you know, I'm going to try to be as vague as possible. But, you know, if you guys want to just ask me questions about just the show in general or what I thought of those four, I'll let you guys lead the way.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, why don't we go sort of chronologically? Um, We can start uh, sort of what your experience is with this season so far, like leading up. So Mask hasn't even happened. What do you think of season three so far and how it compares to one and two?
0: Yeah, the first uh you know, let me just really briefly sort of state where I'm coming from with Chuck. You know, the first season of the show, I had some trouble with it. And it's funny because I want to go back and kind of watch that again because you know, I know that Chuck is not about plausibility and, you know, the, whether this could truly happen, but I just had trouble with like why don't they update the intersect and certain things just didn't click with me. Then mm-hmm. in season 2 um you know, and I had heard enough good things about it from people I respected to be like, "Okay, I'm going to give season 2 a try." And really from season two, um, from, from minute one, I was, I was in, I was hooked. And I think the season um, had a lot of really cool high points, you know, topped by the last couple episodes of the season, which for me were just, you know, outrageously fun. And um, I was certainly in there pitching with, you know, I hope a small part of an effort that I think was led amazingly by fans and I certainly take no credit because I really think it was sort of a a grassroots thing that the media just kind of latched on to, um, later in the game. So, you know, I was very, very excited when the show did get renewed and wrote a lot about that. Um, and you know, season three, um, I devoured, you know, those first five episodes when NBC sent them out, I thought, you know, I thought there was some getting back into the swing, um, changes or or maybe some some rough spots but overall i thought they were fine but from the beginning i thought season three has a different vibe from it and i've been really thinking a lot about this and you know having interviewed um chris fiedek and josh schwartz and having read various pieces by other journalists i thought you know that they're they're kind of their mantra was well chuck chuck's really still chuck he's the same guy and i think you know there's a lot of different ways to view that. I think you can view him as the same guy, but I think he's really maturing and changing in some fairly significant ways. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there was all the brouhaha a couple of weeks ago. Um, but I think what might've gotten lost in that is the very real transition that Chuck is going through. And I don't know if that's just me seeing that or if you guys see that too, Um in season three, because it, to me, you know, him becoming a real spy and paying that price psychologically and with his friends, um, it kind of it, it heightens the stakes, which is fine. I'm not against any of this, but I think it's a difficult trick to pull off. And um, I think in the when it comes back in March, I think it does pull it off for the most part in three of the episodes that I've seen mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> um, and not so much in one of them. So. Mm -hmm. i'll throw it open to you guys (laughs) i think you hit (laughs) the nail on the head there that this is a transition period for Chuck as a character and as a show and i wonder if we could liken it to um adolescence
4: yeah in that
2: it's somewhat awkward and i know there have been some critiques from the fans that the writers are not doing their job well But at the same time, I have to wonder if that awkwardness we're feeling isn't meant to be because this is from Chuck's point of view.
0: Exactly. Mm -hmm. And I think I I have to say writing about Chuck when it returns is going to be one of the most difficult things that I've ever had to do in this job because you're you're thinking, it's Chuck. How is this Uh, hard? But I think uh what's really, really tricky for me is I think that there are some frustrations on the part of fans. Some of them I think are valid concerns. Some of them are just a case of I think the show is evolving and perhaps evolving into something that some people aren't as fond of. And that's completely fine. But I think, mm-hmm. um, you know, to say that the writers are doing it wrong, I, I mean, okay, I guess if you have your platonic ideal of what Chuck is and the writers aren't doing that every week, then I guess in your view, it's doing it, they're doing it wrong. But I think, you know, for me, as a viewer, as a critic, I just feel like, okay, this is their vision. They're going to execute that vision. I don't have to like that vision, but it's theirs. And if they've brought me pleasure with their creations before, I'm going to just go with what they're doing and not sit there and have a checklist in my mind of like things they have to do. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Having said that, I think it's a tough, it's a tough balance to pull off. I mean, I think you can look at something like Ugly Betty which had a really interesting mixture of tones and feelings and plots and situations, some extremely uh, purposefully campy melodrama mixed with, you know, heart-tugging family melodrama. And I think that was tough. And I think really what they found with that show is it was just really hard to pull that off week after week. And it was really easy to veer from one extreme to the other and kind of have the viewer just kind of feel like it was out of control. Um, I don't think Chuck's out of control. I just think that um, for me as a Chuck viewer, sometimes I'm going, is this the same show?
2: I don't right. know. Is that good or bad? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so well, It's interesting that you compare it with Ugly Betty because I think pretty much everyone's going to agree that season three of Ugly Betty was, whoo. Yeah. It was a surprise that they brought it back. It, but absolutely. season four, the current season, has been resurgent creatively. Yeah. And um, in large part because Betty finally made it through this transition. Right. She went from being in a sense an asset
4: mm-hmm.
2: and now she's a full fledged member of the staff. She's a, an editorial an editor on the magazine, for those that aren't right. familiar with the show. Um and it's a it's an interesting parallel to, to Chuck. I just am hoping that and I'm pretty confident that Chuck is gonna be able to pull it off pretty I, quickly I th- in just a couple more yeah, weeks.
0: I think so. I mean I think I think you raise an excellent point that, you know, what is the new character that this person morphs into? And is the ugly Betty of season four still someone you care about? Mm -hmm. And I think, um, I think though, for my money, season three of Chuck hasn't always, you know, stuck the landing in terms of the plotting or the tone or developments or, you know, things like that, that I wasn't particularly keen on. um, I think there's still a lot of heart to the show. And I still think with the cast that they have, they are amazingly blessed because they are able to pull off a lot of other stuff that I don't think other people could do. And I think Zachary Levi is such a good actor that I'm going to care about who he plays, no matter what he does, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that's a really rare gift um, for an, a performer to have. And he, he really has it. So it's given them a lot of leeway in terms of selling stuff. And I got to say, you know, um, Ivan Strahovsky has really, really stepped it up this season for me. And I think, mm-hmm. One of the high points of the next few episodes is how how great she is. I mean, she. I I went from in season one thinking she was perfectly competent to in season two thinking, hey, you know, I'm kind of really liking where she's taking this and she's she's kind of engaging me more. To in season three, just feeling you know absolutely awed by you know how good she's she's working this role. Mm-hmm. How well she, she's working this role. I'm sorry, this, that was terrible grammar just now. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, she has her own um, transition. Uh, the the character of Sarah has her own transition that she's making that I think often gets overlooked because again, Chuck is of course the focus of the show. Um,
1: well, I I think that's totally true. As a matter of fact, what I think people have really missed out on um, is is the fact that she's really damaged goods this season.
0: Or you know, I think. It- I think you guys raise an excellent point, and I think, in a way, even for for me, when some other things aren't working, and I want to make it clear that for the most part, I really like the episodes. Um, but you know, there's been there are some developments that happened. That I think really only because the journey of Sarah is so compelling, I was kind of willing to to buy into them, and I mm-hmm. I, I think that's a really great point that um we get so caught up in like, well, is Chuck the same guy? I don't know if I'd call her damaged goods, I mean, I think she's definitely hurt. yeah, I mean that was that
1: was a little strong, but you know what I mean like she's she's, she's really from
0: and it's scary, yeah. I think what she's really great at portraying is that this is a terrifying time for her because she's seeing this man she loves change into something she fears him becoming, and she herself is opening her heart, and that's beyond terrifying for her, mm-hmm. so it's intermixed with all this comedy is some fairly heavy stuff, and I think. I love the heavy stuff. I mean, you'll get no bigger fan of, you know, Friday Night Lights with a Wire. But um, sometimes, it, it you know, it's a little dark,
2: mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. And it's not what we're used to, especially if you go back to season one. That was oh, so lighthearted. Absolutely. Exactly. You know? And then yeah. and season two was pretty lighthearted as well. I mean, it had its dark moments, but it feels like season three, we just went straight for the darkness. And there wasn't maybe enough dusk well if you and, will. yeah
0: and i think yes that's a great way to put it and i think one of the biggest problems with this season is that um the the supporting cast is intermittent and mm-hmm. it's just it's just mm-hmm. making it seem choppy to me yeah and i think that's and, what and how much of sh- that is the budget it's a lot of it is the budget i'm i mean i'm just surmising i have not gotten that word from you know anyone officially associated with the production but it's it's absolutely got to be a budget thing you know it's quite common in tv for people to have a deal where they they're they're a series regular but they're only contracted to appear in you know maybe 10 of the episodes of the 13 or you know 12 or you know 10 or 9 whatever um but i think even with the guest cast you know we had shop was there and then he's not there and then you know you know Hannah's there and then one episode she's not there and it's just it's just kind of making it seem a little bit choppy um and I think you know it's it's affecting the tone of the show because those supporting characters not only ground Chuck's world in some reality and even some sort of relatable mundane reality but also some comedy you know they lighten up the Mm -hmm. stuff and I think with the episode that comes back there's very little of that, and you know, it it goes to a kind of place that is I don't know. It's just a it was just an interesting tone. I don't necessarily. It's one of those things where I'm just really wondering what people are going to think of it. I'm not like oh gosh, you know, there's a funeral and ten people die. It's not like that. <laughs> it's, it's you know, it's recognizably a Chuck episode, but um, I would guess if I had to bet money. That if the creators of a show were asked, "What episode do you want to take a break on?", it would not have been "Mask, take a break, mm-hmm. and then fake name." Mm-hmm. <laughs> they would have said, "Yeah, please God, no, not
4: that." <laughs> I think they yeah. got. The well, and-, and and it's an important yeah. point.
1: It's an important point that that they were initially writing for thirteen. Mm-hmm. Now they're not. Um, They were originally writing for after the Olympics and then having to deal with this break. And that's not something that they were writing towards. Not at
0: all. No. And I think, you know, some of what we're seeing this season, two, I think, is based on them only having that initial order for 13. And, you know, I'm super happy they got more episodes. But I think um, some of the stuff, as was widely discussed, you know, after The Mask uh, aired, uh, was – I really respect the idea that not everyone in the Chuck fandom was up in arms about these two people having other love interests. They maybe weren't fond of that, but it was Mm -hmm. really not handled particularly well, especially in the case of Shaw. And I think it's, you know, I would never want to disrespect fans and be like, Oh, they're just shippers. And they're just, it's like, no, I think, you know, let's distinguish between people just hating the idea of, any other characters existing in Chuck (laughs) and Sarah's orbit versus just having legitimate beefs with how particular elements of the story were handled.
1: Yeah. And I found it interesting that um, the shippers, if you want to call them that weren't, I mean, I, I got a lot of messages from from people saying, "Hey, I'm a shipper, and I had no I problems with the episode." I did On my
0: site too, they're like, mm, "Okay, yeah. you know," I, which you know, I think there was just I've just gotten some feedback from some fans saying, "You know, please don't paint us all like we're just crazy people who don't like <laughs> anything <laughs> but Chuck and Sarah." But um, I never really saw it as that. And in fact, if you know, the biggest problem I had with Mask was I just thought the it just didn't the plotting left large gaps in logic and, you know, the space-time
2: continuum. So that was kind of where I (laughs) what jumped out at me. Um I think that's what had so many fans upset and why the the hullabaloo lasted as long as it did was because these other mainstream um I'm not gonna call them critics because they don't normally talk about Czech uh commentators, if you will, uh from NPR and Time and even the LA Times picked up on this unrest and they specifically targeted one comment on Alan Seppenwall's blog right. calling for a boycott.
0: But I and- can I can just offer you the perspective of being in the media. I was on Alan's site. I was just like looking at comments. I wasn't I was just lurking. Mm-hmm. And when I, I saw that and I saw the level of anger. And for my money, I mean maybe I'm just overly impressed by the Chuck fans' organizational abilities, but we as critics saw the Chuck fan base um, in a viral way decide to make something happen and make it happen. And so right. it was scary. And I think social media certainly amplifies that. Mm-hmm. Something that would have been a two-day wonder on a few sites turned into something bigger. But I think it wasn't just necessarily that person calling for a boycott.
2: No, that's what it, I was going to say is they, they picked up on that. Right. And the reality was – it was a lot of other most stuff. Most of the complaints were with those last like 8 or 10 minutes and how rushed it felt. Yeah. That was no, the complaint, I, not that they were together or possibly getting together, not that Sarah told him that she liked having her neck touched. Right. But that it was such a complete 180 from 10 minutes earlier. It, it was.
0: Episode. I I totally yeah, and yeah.
2: I but having
0: said that, I think there's a legitimate issue that Um, I thought some of the pieces that came out or some of the comment commentators pieces were interesting because it was it's kind of like, you know, for us, it was just an interesting idea of like, is this now a fan owned show? And what do people want? And why do they perhaps Mm -hmm. want it? And do will they be happy when they get what they want? You know what I mean? It's right. Because I I think there's a particular subset of critics and I would count myself in this group or writers uh, about entertainment who are crazy obsessed with destroying the idea that um moonlighting was ruined by those those oh. characters getting together. And I think
1: Oh I I love Linda Holmes' essay great. on that. And I
0: think that's why I liked her piece yeah. on Chuck and Sarah. And it's like I mm-hmm. I think what if there's anything that gets people riled up, it's this idea that, you know, Oh, gosh, if you got them together, it would ruin the show. It's like that is just really lazy thinking. Mm -hmm. It could ruin a show or it could not ruin
2: a show. Why don't you look at your show and see Mm -hmm. if it would ruin that show? Exactly. Exactly. And I think it was a perfect opportunity to have that discussion with the fans about ownership mm-hmm. and entitlement. I think, and I honestly, I think it needed to be said in some cases, it was just that that was the overall response yeah. that the fans were getting. And most of them were saying, wait, that's not what we were upset about. You're missing right. the point. And that just had them. I mean, I moderated at least a thousand comments on wow. our site alone in wow. that week. And, you know, and I had a couple of, of, uh, people write articles saying you know directed towards the critics in particular um who wrote those um those pieces saying Look, you're not getting it. You're not hearing us. Yeah. Um. Unfortunately, they didn't come in until you know several. But days you know what's so interesting
0: to a fan sometimes just isn't as interesting to a critic. Exactly. You know? and, and that's, that's just the way it is. You can't, is. You can't yeah. say
2: you know sure write this letter, but they don't care. That doesn't get them. Well, that. and it's like just like you can't say to
0: fans, hey, don't be concerned about that. Care about this. It's like you can't. It's like cats <laughs> You can't make them do
2: anything. You know exactly. Exactly. So, but you know, I just did want to get out there that that was the majority of. Oh yeah. The anger, I think. Was not that, not necessarily that Shaw and Sarah might have something starting up there, but just that it seems so, so very out of character.
0: Well, could you go into that a little bit more? Because I guess, I mean, I absolutely agree that how they played those two characters, um, in just within that episode, that the transition was way too. It it was nonsensical. Like it didn't make any sense that her feelings would change that quickly, even if she was feeling rebuffed by Chuck or feeling bummed about him getting together with Hannah. You know, I mean, it just didn't. It didn't make a whole lot of sense. But I mean, I just want you guys to talk. Well, I'll I'll tell you, even a very you're coming from with the whole Sarah thing.
1: Well, I, I even think it was like everybody talks about the last eight minutes. It could have even been a directing decision that day. The the one scene when um when Brandon Ruth uh, uh Shaw is is flirting with Sarah in in the museum, all it would have taken is a slight change of direction for her to show some tiny interest Absolutely. at that point, and a seed yeah. would have been planted to say, "Okay, later on, now I believe I guess
0: it. I was reading that scene as her playing it as. I'm being extra hostile to you because I don't want to admit to myself that I'm attracted. I was going to say
2: those of us mm-hmm. who have perhaps read more romance novels than we'd like to admit,
4: <laughs> could e-
2: I, I have to confess that while I agree that it seemed like it was a complete 180 on her behalf, I did read that scene the same way the first time I watched it. And then on subsequent viewings, I absolutely see that that could, that view could be supported because you know, it just, Maybe it's a female thing. I don't know, Liz. Yeah. Did you see it that way? <laughs> yeah, I did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it may be a, just a female point of view there, but
0: I do think, you know, but I do think that there's an element of that that could have been played differently. Yeah. And I think we have to acknowledge the fact that, you know, basically um, she doesn't have a lot of chemistry with Brandon. There's no reflection on Yvonne, but those two actors mm-hmm. don't really click together. And if if, if somehow there had been more chemistry between, you know, whoever played Shaw, or, you know, Brandon and and Yvonne, that that just might have, it just didn't quite get there. You know, either in the directing, Mm -hmm. in the acting, or in the the chemistry, all of which I think were trying for a certain thing, and maybe it came across to a degree, but it could have been done a little better, maybe.
2: Now, I wonder, and this is another just kind of instantaneous reaction that I had, and I have to admit, I was pretty surprised by how very upset um, the comments coming in over the next 12 to 18 hours were after the end of the episode. But my first reaction when I saw those final few minutes and it looked like she had just completely changed her attitude toward him was not, Oh my gosh, look at that terrible writing. It was, Whoa, what is her motive here? Oh, Cause yeah. Sarah's a spy. I mean, right. she's I had that saint, thought too.
0: I I had that thought too, and I guess that's why for me I was also a little taken aback by the reaction, because I just I mean first of all my reaction was driven by the fact that, um, the I, you know these people are not listed as cast members this season. You know what I mean? Like I was right. like, well, <laughs> we know the end of <laughs> that the end is going to come, and yeah. this is you know I may not necessarily be fond of the you know romantic interest of the week you know again for the eighth time but you know Mm -hmm. i get what that is and i i'm not so threatened by it you know in that sense um i think that 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 colored my response as well the idea that maybe she's working an angle here and doing her job Mm -hmm. and doesn't really trust this guy and is you know trying to get information and having said that um again i think Yeah, I don't know that they've they've sold that particularly well Well, obviously not and again it would have
2: taken just a slight change in direction but because we the episode right before that we got full on Sarah in seduction mission mode yeah and I thought well maybe they thought that that was going to carry over and that we were going to remember that and see her applying that to Shaw it just didn't work. It didn't, just didn't happen. Something yeah. I don't know if there's like a, a 30 second part of a scene that's been cut that would have explained it all. Um, I don't know, but that was my first reaction was whoa, the the red flag here is what is Sarah doing? What is she up right. to? Right, um, exactly.
1: Mm-hmm. And the interesting thing is that for I would say most people have no problem with Chuck and They're Hannah. They're just so adorable.
2: They are adorable. And this is yeah. where
1: the hate mail is going to come from. <laughs> I know.
2: But i was re-watching yeah. the episode for tonight's discussion and you know they're at the beginning when they're at the buy More, and he, she's telling you you know she's saying teach me and and he's oh i don't know if you're ready to go out on a mission yet it's just so cute you no know, yeah. it's the kind of lighthearted mm-hmm. banter that i think people have been missing between chuck and sarah and uh it was just i don't know it was just working for me speaking of chemistry it worked so. absolutely i think mm-hmm. that they had you know uh, I think those two
0: actors had a nice vibe together, and um yeah, i now I'm bearing into three point eight uh-huh. fake name territory, and I can't do that
2: <laughs> <laughs> so. well, let's talk about what we did like about the mask.
3: My most favorite part was the what was going on between Morgan and Ellie, most particularly Morgan um you know i very often I find myself not liking his character but when when something then all of a sudden out of the blue something will happen and he'll just grab me you know just right right at the heart
2: so um i don't know you couldn't help but feel for him there at the end i mean of course chuck didn't know that morgan had a crush on hannah so you know he didn't he wasn't betraying his friend but gosh morgan's heart was crushed
3: yeah, and it wasn't just that, though. It wasn't just that. It was just Morgan realizing that, you know, Chuck isn't being upfront and honest with them. I think all of that kind of culminated for Morgan. And, you know, I don't know. I, I just felt so strongly for the character. <laughs> I felt so bad for Morgan.
1: I totally love the episode. The The, the scene in the museum when the doors are opening and closing <laughs> and opening good. and closing. Yeah. But um, I mean, I and I I emailed, and it's funny because uh, you know how you watch yeah. kind of in isolation. I I saw the episode and I loved it. I emailed Phil Clemmer right away saying, "Great job! One of my favorites of the season." I had no idea yeah, all this I was going to explode. Either. I
0: found myself really taken aback. I mean, I didn't I didn't love the ending, but I just thought, well, they're going to explain this somehow, and you know, we'll we'll get some kind of answer. But then. <sighs> I do I, – I think, you know, what really caught fire for me in terms of what seeing everyone's reactions or what kind of sparked a reaction in me was the idea that, you know, Chuck and Sarah getting together, I think that, you know, one thing that we keep hearing from the creators is, you know, have patience. We have a plan. We know what we're doing, this and that. I think there's a point at which your patience is just being tested, mm-hmm. and I think it's perfectly valid for a viewer to say, well – I think my patience has been has been tested enough. Thank you very much and good night, you know. <laughs> um and if yeah. people want to bail for that reason, you know, they're still not getting them together. I mean if if I were to do the devil's advocate analysis of Chuck they're not getting this couple with ridiculous chemistry together. They're determined to keep them apart for sometimes dubious reasons or you know manufactured reasons it's they're taking it in a more serious direction. There's less of the comedy because less of the supporting cast is available on a regular basis so I mean that's the devil's advocate viewpoint in which one which my own spouse was you know. Offering to me at various times, and I just said, "Well, you know, I really think you should Mm -hmm. give it a chance." And so I still, I've still got him on the Chuck train, but you know, I think there's some wavering, and I think that's another reason that um, people took note of the brouhaha because um, Chuck is not Grey's Anatomy. It's not a show Mm -hmm. that will for sure come back, no matter what. You know, barring a nuclear bomb falling on the set. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, and Mm -hmm. if you know it, it it's it's got a delicate relationship with its fans because it has very very active fans and very um devoted fans but you know having a devoted fan base as the creators of lost will tell you is a double-edged sword
4: mm-hmm.
0: it's not always a pleasant experience mm-hmm.
1: yeah. well speaking of lost you you love lost that that's a show that delivers very strongly and yet has had a few episodes that that Sort of yeah. lose people for a little while and then the people come back and lose people for a little while. But you, you know, you trust them because of what what yep. you've seen. I've I trust Chuck because of what I've seen very yeah. very similarly. Yeah I agree. I mean I think um, it, it's
0: I do trust them and I do here's the thing. When Chuck is really working, few shows please me as much. Few shows make me feel uh basically when chuck is really working it makes me feel like every single you know ounce of devotion that i've put into the show i'm getting back you know triple mm-hmm. so um, so there's that mm-hmm. you know but i think that doesn't necessarily for me and i don't think for fans either make us think well then that then it gets a free pass because <laughs> that you know, free passes
2: process, free <laughs> don't exist no and i think one of the things that came out of when we were running the the renewal campaign one of the compliments that the Chuck fandom received was what a smart campaign it was, how intelligent it was. Yep. So I think that it it wouldn't be fair to then say, oh well, the show's back on, so there's no longer any intelligence, and there you know nobody's going to question exactly the show. And this is a smart fan base.
0: Yep. So and I've seen this happen with so many shows, um, and again, I've seen it happen with episodes where I'm like, really. People are mad about this this episode. It's just you can never predict, but mm-hmm. um, it's yeah. People can get very up in arms, and you know I, I would actually compare it to the Buffy Joss Whedon fan base, and that mm-hmm. people are very very devoted, but they're also extremely demanding. Mm-hmm. And I think rightfully so um, of mm-hmm. what they're seeing and what you know they they're holding these creators to a higher standard because they know what they're capable of. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot of pressure for the for the truck
2: staff, <laughs> but they seem to <laughs> deliver.
0: Um, so
2: I yeah yeah the majority of the time you know they do they deliver to that higher standard I think. Um,
0: but it's always hard to know, like in your mind, like okay, I know the absolute best that you're capable of. You know what I mean? And I exactly. Just...
2: And then when they don't meet mm-hmm. it, there's so much disappointment because
0: there's more disappointment, right? You know, I because so. you're, yeah, yeah, you're you're really expecting X and you get Y, and you're like, oh,
2: well, no, well, you know, you know. <laughs> but uh, you know, and and I think one of the the unfortunate side effects of this brouhaha over the end of the mask is that fans are not really spending a lot of time talking about the rest of the episode which was pretty good mm-hmm. um like gray pointed out the the morgan and ellie storyline it was nice to see them working together again mm-hmm. or attempting to yes
4: <laughs> the secret <a> knock
2: <laughs> um to see ellie concerned about her brother and to see his best friend concerned about chuck um that was you know, we that's not something we've been able to see a lot because, again, because of the intermittent supporting yeah. characters. So it was nice to see them and nice to see a storyline with the two of them together. Um,
0: you know, in any episode of Chuck, there's going to be stuff that I like. I, I think in general, um, Mask was just okay for me. And I don't mean that as sort of, you know, oh, faint praise. It's terrible. Um, mm-hmm. It just didn't quite... It, it held out some promise that I just – because you know here's the thing. For me as a Chuck fan, I really don't like it when the plotting feels thrown together. Mm-hmm. And that was actually some of my problem in the mm-hmm. first season was that it just felt kind of like – it just – when it really pops for me is when the comedy is working, when the relationships have stakes, when the situation is um, – has tension but also – comic relief and it makes sense within the chuck universe i want this to make Mm -hmm. sense and not have a lot of loose ends or plot holes Mm -hmm. and
1: like like dubai last time like dubai in the last uh, episodes (laughs) i kept thinking with um yeah
0: with nacho sampler i was like why would this guy who's stolen high-tech you know products from a very dangerous group of people go to a public trade show
2: with guns
0: where there are many weapons (laughs) i just was like boy this guy is does not seem that smart if he's supposed to be a genius i'm not buying it
2: doesn't have the street smarts that's for sure
0: so yeah yeah, there's some stuff like that and you know i'm gonna just say in the interest of full disclosure there were some issues like that that i had in the episode that airs when the show comes back on march 1st um Mm -hmm. it's it's challenging for me how do i talk about chuck I want people when Chuck comes back to watch the show and I'm going to say that thing that sometimes can drive me a little bit up the wall when creators say it, which is have faith. And even if you feel like maybe that wasn't perhaps your most favorite mixture of Chuck elements or your favorite set of circumstances or story, I would say definitely keep, keep the faith. You know what I mean? I think it will pay off down the road.
2: I know there are a couple of things that are coming up in the next episode that are um, supposed to be pretty good payoffs. Uh, we, we know that it's uh, Kristen Crook's last episode. Yep. But it, it's Hannah's last episode. Yep. Um, so seeing her exit, I think, is going to be something that fans will greet happily. <laughs> um, no, no offense to Kristen because she's done a wonderful job. She's delightful, yes. And I think
0: that she was very underused on Smallville. Yeah. Sidebar, just had to say that. <laughs> I mean, she was used, but I mean, I, that show mm-hmm. does not strike me as you know using it's uh, the people who can act very well. <laughs>
2: Let's put it that way. <laughs> oh, oh,
4: ouch! Mm-hmm.
0: Sorry, keep going. I interrupted.
2: Um. Well, and then there's also we we know that the fake name in part refers to Sarah, mm-hmm. and that um Yvonne has said that there was something coming up in this batch of episodes I think she was saying in episodes three uh six to eleven or Mm ten that uh, fans had been waiting for and um I think the overall assumption is that she's talking about finding out Sarah's real name so that's what I'm looking forward to those two elements the rest of it I don't know we'll wait and see
0: It'll be, I think it'll be surprising for people how all that plays out. Mm. And I, th- I think there's more than one fake mm. name. So just They're putting that in. out <laughs> there. Yeah. There's a few. There's a, there's a Nacho sampler of, of fake names, I yes. think. So
1: that could lead us to, uh, we know you've seen yes. eight, nine, 10, and 11. Just in a general spoiler way, free. spoiler free. Um, Eps- maybe you could talk about even yeah, um, further in the future.
0: I have some clues about what happens down the road. Um, I do don't... No, sorry about that. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> I wanted to know that. Actually, that okay. makes me more excited. Something I accidentally
2: that... spoiled her earlier today because I thought something had already happened that had.
0: Oh, that's okay. Honestly, the the, the worst accidental <laughs> spoiling of my life was when someone told me something about a lost finale that had not aired. That this person assumed that I knew, and it ruined the entire finale. For... Oh no! No, Mel. Honestly, oh, it was no. fine. What what transpired earlier today? Um, in a in a nutshell, um, I really, you know. For me, the episode when it comes back was one that, in some regards, I think some groundwork was laid that gets paid off later. It's not the the for me. I know that other people who've seen it think it's very funny and has some great stuff from Zach. I just thought overall the episode um, that I loved, loved, loved the most from that set of four um, is the one that airs on March eighth. It's three point nine. Chuck versus the Beard. An absolutely stellar episode. I believe it's Scott Rosenbaum's last one. And I just, from start to finish, absolutely adored it. And it's one of my favorites of all time. I think it, for me, it's up there with like, you know, Chuck versus the Colonel, you know, Mm. just really is firing on every possible cylinder really, really well, Mm -hmm. lots of buy more action. And I just, you know, I just love, I love that. I love that when it's all kind of like the gang's all here. stuff. Mm So, um, Mm -hmm. the other, the, 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 you know, uh, again, I've seen the four, that Aaron March, three of them are, you know, ones that I thought were extremely strong. And and I think the important part is they move the ball down the field. You know what I mean? Like uh-huh. they're not it's not just like and then we're gonna do this uh-huh. and, you know, nothing's really changed. And it's just kinda like a s you know, a one off mission, which can be great. I'm not like dismissing that idea, but um, they're really meaty, meaty episodes. I mean, I think it's fairly vague enough to say that there's one episode that's very John Casey intensive, which you could give me like a three hours mm. of you know, Adam Baldwin grunting and I would like <laughs> replay that on my TiVo like 20 times. I would love that. So um, it's really good because yeah. you've got Robert Patrick as a guest star, you know, and I, it's anytime it's a John Casey episode. It's funny to me because like, even if it's a Casey episode, he doesn't necessarily get substantially more lines because of the nature of the character. <laughs> he doesn't <laughs> need them. He doesn't need them, and that's really, you know, such a testament to Adam's skill is that you know he's really able to do so much with every other, you know, tool in his actor's toolkit. Um, and then yeah, I mean, heading towards the end of the season, definitely. The last one of the bunch that I saw is three point eleven. Chuck versus the final exam. Um, it very much feels like a setup mm-hmm. for big things to come, and uh, it is a big episode as well. So, uh, you know, it's it, it will it address every concern that fans have about everything to do with the show? I don't know. <laughs> I don't. I don't think so. I mean, um, it didn't for me, but it was one of those things where when the show is You know, 94% working for me when an episode is like 94.6% working for me that I'm willing to go oh god this again you know what I mean with whatever kind of you know Uh is a problem for me
2: I'm having such a difficult time here because I know a lot of what's coming up
0: (laughs) yeah I I can't can't say it it's hard it's hard well you know what I keep having to remind myself too is that um, there's a lot more to come for some reason I keep thinking oh and then you know episode 11 of the season it's like oh but it's almost the end of that arc and i'm really i honestly i know that a lot of you know I, I think a lot of people out there in the fandom and some people on this on this podcast have more of an idea what's to come late in the season i have zero idea and i'm just i'm like i don't know what they do they do something it's mm-hmm. gonna be big i hope it's big um we'll see
4: <laughs>
0: it has to be awesome yeah. though i demand that indeed it wouldn't be Chuck
2: if we didn't yeah. demand that it were awesome. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, there were just a few questions that came in from fans, and, and I think we've addressed most of them, at least obliquely. But uh, one question that I've been asked and that was then suggested that I talk to you is, you know, fans, they hear from from people like you, Mo, uh, and from Jace and, and Alan, who have seen in advance and know things in advance and are told... Again, the dreaded phrase, "keep the faith,"
0: right? And and the question make, is a phrase that makes me want to punch people in the face. I know, I know.
2: So I I, if people want to punch to... me in the face, I'm totally down with that. Oh no, please don't be going around punching me in the <sighs> face. No, don't punch. We did not. I we meant that theoretically, okay. like metaphorically. Yeah, um, but the question is, with with your kind of insider knowledge, now, do you feel that that you're watching the same show as the rest of the fans? uh, the ones that don't really have any insider knowledge. In other words, when you are giving your impression of, for example, 3.8, um, knowing what the next three episodes, do you feel like you're able to, to be objective towards that episode?
0: Yeah, because I can honestly, I can just look at my notes that I wrote, um, for that, you know, not knowing anything. Right. And, um, you know, debate, I, I I had a sort of a debate with my husband and a friend before I watched the next one. So, you know, it, yeah, I mean, it's, I guess, to a certain degree, it's going to be colored by knowing what comes. And I think, actually, it's funny, I think, I'm not comparing myself to the writers of the show. But I think sometimes they live with these stories so intensely. And this I'm not even just referring to Chuck, I think, in general, this is something that I've seen happen. They know something, they assume that we know it to the extent that they do. And I perhaps need something spelled out for me that they're just assuming you know what I mean? Uh-huh. So, or, or, they're just saying, they know that something pays off down the road in a satisfying way. And I don't know that. And I actually think that that's a very valid point. Uh-huh. I actually raised that question um, in an email debate I was having with Alan about the episodes or just a conversation. I shouldn't say debate. Um, that sometimes writers know more than we do. And we're so emotionally attached to the show that we don't—we live in fear that some part of it that we like might go away. Mm-hmm. So, you know, to, to to have someone say, "Oh, keep the faith," it can be like, "Well, why?" I don't know that the mm-hmm. stuff that you know. Um, but yeah, I think with for individual episodes, um, I watch them as they come and I, I take notes on everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes I'll watch something twice before I move on to the next one. So. Um, individually, I try to focus on each one, especially because I'm wondering about maybe for these episodes that air when the show comes back, if I should do a weekly blog post or if I should just, um, I don't know. I'm already doing that <laughs> for a couple other shows. I'm just wondering how much of a suicide, you know, how suicidal that would be to, to deal with in terms of just comments and moderation and stuff.
2: Oh, take the risk, Mo. You know you want to. I should. I
0: should. Well, I honestly do feel <sighs> yeah, like you know do people. It. Are, people might see the episode. People are going to be pent up with, mm-hmm. you know, desire to see Chuck. They're going to see the episode that airs on March first. And I want to say this again. Do I think? Oh my gosh, this this is like some horrible episode of Joey. No, it's not like that. I want to put (laughs) it out there that there are elements to the episode that I like. It's an episode of Chuck. It's recognizably not, you know, taking place on Mars or whatever, but people might have concerns or questions or thoughts. And I think they, they are going to probably get irritated if people like me say, just stick with it. But I want it. I want somewhere to stay, to say, stick with it because I think it's so worth it if people just give it another chance. I my my husband, I will say this: my husband and I watched um, Fake Name. He was like, and he's not a message board guy. He does not go online for anything aside from fantasy football knowledge. <laughs> and he was like, I uh, you know, I don't know if this is, if this is the really you know, you can watch the show without me now. And I'm like, no 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 you have to watch you have to watch the next one before you make the decision you know you have to watch the next one he's like okay that was awesome <laughs> so, <Nice>. you know
1: <laughs> see. well that sounds like a good note cool. to wrap it up on so. <laughs> yeah cool well oh, well mo so we want to thank know, you anytime. so much so I much just, for joining us you
0: know where i live so you know Come we'll find see. me. listen we'll is send Liz comment. over there. I just, you know, I want to get, that. you know, my money's worth out of my twenty-five dollar, you know, Skype headset. So <laughs> call me anytime. All right. Cool. Thanks, you guys. Thanks, Mom. Yeah. Thanks. Mom. All right, take right. care. Bye.
1: Bye. Yeah. Bye. Okay, thanks so much. Bye-bye. And that concludes part one of our marathon video podcast talking about the mask. Watch for part two in episode forty two, out later today.